0: so you've worked hard to attract potential customers you've had conversation and they asked you to put together a proposal you put your proposal together you send it out and yes some of them come back to you and say yes and some of them come back to you and say no but for the majority nothing happens So how can you increase your sales proposal conversion rate? That's what we're going to discuss in today's episode. You're listening to the Better Presentations More Sales podcast with Trevor Lee. Tune in each week for top tips and ideas to deliver in-person and online presentations, demos, sales pitches and webinars that will help grow your sales. And now, here's your host. Trevor Lee. Hi, everybody. This is Trevor Lee, and this is episode 134 of the Better Presentations More Sales podcast. So, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about sales proposals. And the reason for this is that I've been doing quite a lot of business mentoring work recently, all on Zoom. And one of the common themes that's come through is people wanting to talk about their sales proposals, and in particular, their sales proposal's conversion rates. They can't work out why they send out a sales proposal and then they hear absolutely nothing back from the person they sent it to. So I've been looking at all the advice that I've been offering and the research that I've done, and I've put together all of it in this podcast for you today. So I think there are three stages, and these are the three things I'm going to cover today. Stage one is what happens before you put the proposal together and send it out. Stage two is putting the proposal together itself and stage three is then following it up. So let's take with stage one first. So what happens? Well, this is how it works, isn't it? You get an inquiry. Someone comes along and finds you and talks to you and and, and says they're interested in, you know, your product or service. And what happens? You get very excited, don't you? You think, wow, new customer. Brilliant. Fantastic. What an opportunity. And sometimes that sheer excitement can mean that you get a bit quick to get into the proposal stage. I've worked with some people who say, you know, oh, we get an incoming call, Trevor, but I don't like to keep them on the phone too long. And I say, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, know, I don't want to keep them on the phone too long, you know, and all that stuff. I say, listen, if they've made the effort to call you, there's two things that that tells me. One is that they have done their research and they know why they're calling you. Because we know that 70% in the business-to-business sector of people are making decisions often before they make any contact direct with the company. They've done their research. And the second thing is, if they bother to call you, then that means they're really interested. Because if they were only half interested, I think they'd just drop you an email or a message maybe. But by calling you, that's a big thing. And don't forget that when they call you, they've got momentum. And this is so important in sales, this momentum, because at that moment in time, that person has got probably more momentum in terms of making a decision about buying your product or service than possibly at any other time until they actually say yes. So you've got to keep them on the phone. You've got to keep them interested. And the way to do that is, you know, you don't have to use keep them on the phone tactics. You are simply having a conversation, but part of that conversation or a really key part is asking them really important questions. And this is what you need to get really good at. You need to ask every single detailed question and you need to find out what it is they really, really want. And some of the questions I would ask would be along the lines of, so what do you want the outcome to be? Why do you think you need my service or product? Why do you think you need me? What else do I need to know? So you need to ask some really searching questions. What are the considerations are you looking at? What's the situation now? Why does the situation need to change? You need to ask all those questions. Lots of proposals founder on assumption. We talk to the potential client, we have a conversation We're not really listening to their answers. We're not noting them down. We're just thinking about the next question we're going to ask or we just can't wait to dive in when they say, so tell me about your company, Trevor. And then you dive in with 10 minutes all about yourself. So you don't want to do any of that in that call. You want to focus entirely on the customer and asking them questions. They don't need to know about you. They already know about you because they've researched you. That's why they made the call in the first place. If they really need to know about you, then, you know, they'll tell you. So don't be all excited waiting, you know, oh, great, I can't wait to tell them all about how brilliant we are. Focus on getting information from them because that's going to be really important. And don't forget to ask what happens next. So if I send you a proposal, who else besides yourself is involved in the process of making a decision? And it's really important that you phrase it like that. Because you might be thinking that this person is actually just a middle person for the company who's been asked to get a, you know some information together. But never, ever make them think that. Make them think that they are a really important part of the process. So that's why you say, apart from yourself. And they may say, well, actually, it's not me, Trevor. It's going to be X, Y and Z. But that's fine if they tell you that. But don't ever give them the impression that you're assuming that. So, number 1 then, this number one stage, what happens before you put the proposal together, you need to gather as much information as you can. And make sure that while you're on the phone to them, you've also got their, you know, you've got their website up on a screen in front of you or or anything about them. So you can see and get a feel for their organ, you know, their company but, and, you know, and particularly if, you know, you're calling them back, they've left a message for you and you're calling them back, then in between the, you know, the message coming in and calling them back, do that research. Find out everything you can. It will impress them and it will give you a head start over everybody else because most people don't do that. So, number one, get everything you can from them. Find out as much about them as you can on that first call. And, you know, try not to race them off the phone, okay? Because if you say, oh, I'll tell you what, um, that's great. Um, why don't I give you another call back? Don't do that because it'll be hard to get hold of them maybe. So while they've got momentum, get that information. Right, step two is then you put your proposal together before you send it out. Now, this is the really interesting bit. Because one of the organisations I was working with on the mentoring call, they're in the design sector. I won't say anything more than that. And they said they were having real problems with their proposals. They just weren't, you know, it just wasn't happening for them. So I said, well, okay, look, send me uh, one of your proposals and we'll just walk through it. And I didn't realise that when I uh, uh, offered to do that, (laughs) that I'd be walking through a 46-page proposal. Yes, 46 pages, for goodness sake. And when we walked through the proposal, we realised that apart from the logo of the company that they were sending it to, which appeared on the front page, the next direct reference to the potential client, I think, was on page 17. So the first 16 pages didn't mention the client, didn't mention what the client was going to be benefiting from by engaging the company. All it did was talk about themselves, how great they are, how many awards they've won, you know, all, every, all the list of all their services, everything was about me, 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 me. <laughs> right? So I challenge this and I say to them, do you not think that this person that you're sending the proposal to knows all this already. You know, again, going back to that 70% of people who've done their research, I think they know all this. I think that's the reason why they're asking you for a proposal. They've not just randomly selected you and done nothing except pick up your name out the phone book and phone you up and say, hey, we want some design work, give us a proposal. So, you know, think about it. What do you do if you receive a business proposal? What page do you search for first? Come on, you know the answer, don't you? That's right. You're flicking through it to try and find the page where you get the costs, or as I like to call them, your investment. And that's a good tip, actually. There's a top tip for you. When you're sending out a proposal, don't say the price is, the cost to you is. I always use the phrase, your investment is. okay. And I think that makes it a bit less hot. I think it, you know, it calms it down a little bit, makes it a bit less and a bit less salesy, frankly, as well. And it also, you know, the word investment, that's what it is. If you buy my service or my product, you are investing. You're not just buying it because you have to. Uh, it's not it's not a, a, a purchase, you know, that you don't really want to make. <laughs> okay. So the question I said to them is. Why not one-page proposal instead of a 46-page proposal? Which they kind of felt was um, they just, well, they just stopped talking. I think they were horrified at the idea. But that's, I think, how you should start your proposal. Work on the basis that can you get everything into one page instead of 46 pages? And think about it from the client's point of view. What is it they want to know from your proposal? Because don't forget, They've researched you more than likely. You've had a conversation on the phone with them. So you you both know what you're trying to achieve, hopefully. So get it all in there into that first page if you can. And always send out an explanatory cover note. So even if you end up sending a three-page or four-page proposal, always, I think, in your cover note, if you're sending it by email detail what's in the proposal and what you want them to do next so for example uh, hi Trevor I'm sending you as as discussed you know here is the proposal that you asked me to forward to you I just want to point out to you that what I've included in it is and then maybe list three of the key things that you want them to know about yeah you know? and you might want to put a note in the cover note about time scale and as I mentioned to you on the phone you know if you wanted to engage us um you know, providing you can let us know fairly soon, we could start on. So put that in the cover note, okay? And and if you want to draw attention to their investment, then put that in the cover note as well. You could almost make the cover note the proposal. They don't have to look at the proposal to make a decision because all proposals, the fundamental key thing of any proposal is it's got to be easy for the receiver to say yes, now I was working with another another company on a, on their proposals recently, and um, and they they're using a kind of templated approach, but they were personalising it to a certain degree. And um, they're in a they're in a specialist sector. They're the sort of people that we all need because we don't understand what they do. All right? so they're kind of in you know the IT sector, if you like. And in their proposal, they had a, a, a list of some of the things that, um, you know, they offered and how much it was. And it was all neatly laid out. But I said to them, I said, so are you suggesting I buy all of these when we walked through one of their, their, their proposals that they showed me they'd sent out? And they said, oh, no, 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 because if, if you have that, you won't need that. And if you have that, you won't need that. So I said, OK, so how do I decide? Are you, are you leaving me to make the decision? Because I don't know what I'm doing. That's why I'm talking to you in the first place. I want your guidance. So we talked about that in their cover note or in their opening page, they would say, right, included in this proposal, we've put in for X and Y. We think those are the things you could do. But there's also an alternative, you know, A or or B. And putting alternatives in proposals is really, really important if you want people to say yes. Because if you offer me one option, it's kind of take it or leave it. So I would always advise you to put three options in. They can be very, very similar, but they're not the same. And then you're offering me the chance to make a choice, but you're giving me a steer. So you're pointing out the benefits of each one and why it would be good for my company. You're not giving me a list and saying, right, you choose off the list and we'll come and deliver it because I don't know which ones to choose. And the danger is I don't make any choice and then I don't go back to you. And therefore, the reason I don't go back to you is not because I don't want to engage your company. It's because I don't want to seem foolish by making the wrong choice. And then it's just not going, it's not going anywhere, is it? So make it easy for me to buy. Have a really good look at your proposals. And if yours is a 46 page proposal, then think, my God, what if I was on the receiving end of this? Would I read all 46 pages? Focus on the outcome process as well. So I want to know, let's go through those three, those things I want to know. I want to know why I should be interested. I want your steerage on what you think I should be buying based on your knowledge on the conversation because you asked me some great questions. And then don't forget in the proposal, which most people don't do, is tell me what happens next. So when you've said yes or when I've said yes to your proposal, this is what's going to happen, Trevor. This is the time frame for the, next, the first three months of our agreement. This is how it'll work. And this is when we could start. So put all those things in there, yeah, and give me some alternatives. So that's the content and then you send it out. So then number three is following up. And people aren't very good at following up proposals. So think about how you follow up your proposals. Do you send another email a week later and say, "Um, uh, Hi Trevor, just following up on my proposal I sent you last week, just checking that you received it okay. Thank you very much. Or do you send out an email that says, oh, hi, Trevor, just checking if you've had a chance yet to have a look at the proposal I sent you last week. Thanks very much. Okay, so that's often how people send out proposals. So what action does that create? Not a lot, frankly, does it? Really? So why not send, if you're going to follow up in that way, then send and add some value. So, oh, hi, Trevor, Um, I sent you the proposal last week. I've been thinking about it in the interim And you'll notice on page two, I put about X, Y and Z. Well, I think there might be a slightly better solution now. So we could also add this to it. So you're adding a bit more value to your proposal. And then I've got to go and check. All right. OK, so what did he put on that? Oh, I haven't really read that. Maybe I should do. But the thing about that is that it shows that you're keen because you've been thinking about the proposal. You've added some more value to it. You want to make sure it really works for me. So anything that you can send me on that basis is really, really helpful. And also think about the mechanism you use to send me the follow-up. Do you send me an email? Well, you know, we all don't. None of us are really good at email, are we? How many emails in your inbox have you got that you haven't looked at yet? A lot? Yeah. So why send someone else an email and expect them to open it straight away if you're not opening your emails? So follow up with a phone call if you can. That's the number one, okay? Ring them up. Find out what's going on. Okay, you're building a conversation, you're building a rapport with them then. Okay, most people follow up proposals with emails. So stand out from the crowd, use the phone, make a call. Wow, be different. (laughs) Maybe send them a little video message. Actually, thinking about it, why not send your whole proposal in a video format? How about that? So instead of sending me 46 pages, send me a little three or four minute video. It might be voiceover slides, you're on there, you know. I use a product called ScreenFlow on my Mac where you can, you know, get yourself in the corner and you, you're actually talking through the proposal and it feels like I'm in the room with you talking through the proposal. Why not do it that way? So, you know, be a bit creative in the way you send your proposals out even. But then, yeah, follow it up. Make sure you do follow it up, okay, Because and, and don't give up on it either because some people, you know, after two or three attempts to get through, they they stop, they stop. But it can take 7 or 10 or even 12 times apparently now to to, to follow up, to get some action going. So never give up. If you strongly believe that what you sent me is really good for me, and that's important, it's got to feel like it's really good for me and it's not just really good for you. Because if it's just really good for you, then it's one-way traffic and I'm probably going to pick that up and I'm not interested in buying your product or service. You've got to keep reminding me it's good for me. All right? So do that. Keep sharing stuff with me. So finally, so why do people say no? Because, you know, inevitably, you know, you can't say yes to everything. So why do people say no? Well, sometimes they just don't understand the value of your proposal. They might say, oh, no, it's far too expensive, Trevor. But they, if that's the case, then they haven't grasped well, the value. So you've got to go back to that proposal. and You've got to look at the way you, you put the value in, the value message in there. There could be a perception problem. They might think you're not big enough or you're too big. Or you don't have the skills that for what they really want and you've only, they've only really found that out. And again, a perception in the proposal. So if you've had to go through 46 pages of saying how great you are, then maybe they're thinking, uh, maybe they've missed the point here. They're more interested in themselves than they are in me. Another thing, of course, is that some people might be sending you a proposal because they're going to change. So they're going to switch you know, from one supplier to you. And it's easy when they've got momentum and they rang you up and they said, yeah, yeah, we're going to change. We're going to change. You know, our current supplier is not very good. We want somebody new. But then when it comes down to it, they can't actually go to the supplier and say, sorry, we're going to change. They then start thinking about all the problems of change. And suddenly all the barriers come up and they decide it's easier not to change, even though it's not great. So, okay, if you get a, a sense that change is the big, big thing they've got to overcome – and, of course, you can do that with the way you do those questions in the inquiry. Then make sure you put that in your proposal as well. So you can put in your proposal. Look, I understand that, you know, thinking about change is a difficult thing. I and mean, that's why we have this process to help our clients make a very seamless change. Oh, and by the way, if you want to check how it works, give this guy a ring. He he came with us and went through a big change to make that happen. So get your customers to sell the proposal. Get your existing customers to help you sell the proposal, get it over the line, so to speak. Timescale could be a problem. You know, some, you might have said, well, can't do this for six weeks and they actually do really want it to start tomorrow. All right. So that might be something that puts you off, uh, puts them off. And of course, you know, there is always the, uh, the sort of comparison situation as well, where they might be, they might be comparing you with somebody else, but not fully understanding the difference. And Ultimately, there might be a change in their needs. So they might have asked you to, you know, to quote for something and then they've decided that's, they don't need that at all. They've, they've gone in a different direction, but they might come back and tell you. But it's always worth trying to find out why someone didn't go ahead with your proposal. And equally, and this is what we often forget in business, find out why they did go ahead. Because very often when people come back and say, yes, we thought, oh, brilliant, right, let's get on, great. And you never stop to say, actually, so just tell me, why did you say Yes. Why did you choose us? Because that will give you some superb feedback. And it might be things that you hadn't even considered, which you can then add in your marketing messages and all that sort of stuff. Right, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for sales proposals. I hope that's been useful to you. So this podcast is going out on Monday. uh, Where are we? Monday uh, Monday the 12th. Monday the 12th of October. That's right. Now tomorrow, Tuesday the 13th, I'm actually delivering a webinar. My first webinar for me. And uh, at the point of recording this podcast, there were about 30-odd people who'd already decided to come along. So <laughs> hope I'm, I'm sure it's going to be good. I'm, I'm now going to have to spend the rest of the afternoon working on it and make sure it's really, really good. But I will be doing other webinars as well, and they'll all be linked to this podcast content. So if you do like the podcast, uh, please tell everybody else, please share it, and please do leave a review. That would be fantastic. All right. I'll be back next week with episode 135, and I'm hoping to have a special guest um, who's, uh, who's going to tell us all about top tips in sales, a, a career salesperson currently based in Australia, but working in the, worked in the UK before that. So I'm hoping that interview will come off and that will happen. All right. See you then. Bye.